Alright, uh, welcome to a very, 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 very late episode of the Robert Genius Podcast. Um, I had most of this recorded except for the intro and the outro and I got busy and I forgot to do that or didn't get around to doing it until way late. So this episode is super late, which means the next one probably won't be take as long. Um, I do appreciate the fact that while this one has been super late, it did allow the previous one to accumulate some more listens or whatever um as than usual so yay to that but uh, anyway um it is almost in february now almost into black history month um hope you've had a fun and educational black history month um and i hope you have taken the time to learn about more than just the people who always get talked about you know just pick one just just Find one that, you know, that because look every year, you know, Dr. King, Harry Tubman, you know, Malcolm X, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure now in the schools, they probably, you know, Barack Obama, you know, Oprah, probably, right? Um, you know, Arthur Ashe, you know, when I was in school, it was Arthur Ashe, and George Washington Carver, Benjamin Banneker, right? I mean, right, you know, get, get Frederick Douglass, you know. So, you know, try, try Jack Robinson. So, yeah, try, try to venture a little bit outside the, uh, the the usual suspects, or you know, and got a few more days. But anyhow, uh, this episode, you know, Super Bowl is over. I have a little bit to say about that. And about, you know, um, I have some election stuff to talk about here. Um, and some other NFL stuff. The, the, um, the NFL's, <laughs> there's a, one, a couple of teams are mad because the NFL's diversity and inclusion program is actually working. Imagine that. And uh, whatever else there is to get to, I'm going to get to it. So we're going to get to it now. All right, let's go. Oh, and uh, Carl Weathers. Um, yes, I need to say a few words about Carl Weathers. He passed away during the time between episodes here. Um, look, Apollo Creed is one of the <coughs> you know best movie characters of the last 30, 40 years. Um and you know he brought a special kind of pride to us, us black people <laughs> right um, and that's funny because you know Rocky's the underdog story and all and you're supposed to love Rocky and well that's the thing about Apollo they didn't make Apollo somebody for you to hate like Apollo was like he was Beating Apollo was a goal for Rocky, but he never hated him, right? He always respected Apollo. Uh, he admired Apollo. He just wanted his chance to prove he, that he could hang with him. And that's kind of the nuance of the, the Rocky story. It gets lost in, you know, underdog stories told in more recent times. Um, because now it's, it's all about making you hate the, kind of the, champion or the whoever it is at the top 
And, you know, underdogs now a lot of times aren't so lovable. A lot of it's kind of just steeping resentment and all that. And so Stallone did not do that with Rocky. He didn't hate Apollo. He didn't want you to hate Apollo. And so, even though, yeah, I mean, ultimately, the goal was for Rocky to beat Apollo, and he ultimately did. But in in the second movie, right? Um, But the way that Apollo was presented was always a plus, in my opinion. And, you know, Carl Weathers, of course, he he did a bunch of other acting jobs. He was in Predator. He was in a bunch of other action movies. He was was in Action Jackson. (laughs) Hey, one of those... You know, it was not a great movie, but in, in a lot of ways, it was a really awesome movie. <laughs> um, and then, more recently, he was in The Mandalorian. Um, and look, for him to be part of two big, you know, story franchises, um, Rocky, and then later on in life, Star Wars, just, you know, huge. Um, but man, and he, he was a football player before even all of that. Um, you know, great man, great life. I'm sad to see him go. All right, now we're going to get to it here, folks. Let's go. All right, speaking of Super Bowl, it's all over now. Uh, Chiefs won. I was rooting for the Chiefs because I, 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 I did the, the the Brock Purdy discourse, and I'll get to that in a minute. Which just irritated the hell out of me. <coughs> Um, but I was rooting for the Chiefs. I put a few bets down, and in fact, I went, look, I went crazy this time. I put like eight different bets down, um, and I hit on four of them. So, I, so ultimately, I, I did come out ahead. Um, that's all that matters. <laughs> Chiefs money line hit. Uh, Chiefs were one point underdogs. That hit. Um, Christian McCaffrey got a touchdown. Hit on that one. And Brock Purdy got over 247 yards, so I, you know, I hit on all of those. Um, but unfortunately, Travis Kelsey did not get touchdown, and oh, Debo Samuel did not get touchdown. And there are a couple of parlays I shot for and did not get either of them. One day I'm going to hit a parlay, damn it! One day, just don't know when. <laughs> I haven't had any luck with those at all. But you know, it is what it is. But with Super Bowl in the books, that means the 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 you know the big betting season is just about done. Um, there's basketball, and then you know I, I've I've dabbled in basketball. I do that. I, I do a few basketball bets sometimes. Um, but then after basketball's over for the summer, it's just baseball. I. I tried a couple of baseball bets and it was terrible. You know, I might give it another work try this year. We'll see. <laughs> and, um, but, oh, yeah, Brock Purdy. Hey, yay. All right. So, for those of y'all not familiar, Brock Purdy was the last player drafted in 2022. Like it's his second season, and they have a kind of derogatory nickname for that person. They call them Mister Irrelevant, right? Um, I don't know why they came up with that. 
but it's, it's a nickname they give whoever gets, whoever's picked last. And now sometimes whoever's picked last goes on to have a good career, and then sometimes they are indeed irrelevant. They, they you know, they're going after a year or two, right? So Brock Purdy found his way to becoming the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And this season played very well in a lot of games. But people got a little too overzealous. Well, not too overzealous. People got a little overzealous. I'm sorry. Can't be too overzealous. You can't be over game anyway. And there are people saying, well, he's MVP. He should be an MVP candidate. He's playing like an elite quarterback. And if you watch, like, the, the whole game when he plays, there are a lot of passes where he just misses. And there were a lot of times he threw passes that should have been intercepted, and they weren't. Because the, basically the defender literally just didn't catch the ball that he threw right to them. <coughs> and also... He was playing with, like, an all-star team, right, on offense. And Christian McCaffrey, best running back in the league. Uh, Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Like, I mean, and Trent Williams. Like, he had, he had an all-star team on offense, basically. And, and a bunch of guys on defense, that were, and the defense was great. So he had an all-star roster around him. He did some really good things, but, of course... Again, if you watch the whole game, just like in the Super Bowl yesterday, <clears throat> like their biggest play was, I believe, a receiver throwing to the running back. He didn't even throw the ball, right? Um, one of the receivers threw a pass to Christian McCaffrey. He ran in for a touchdown. Okay, so he's the quarterback, and then the biggest play of the game they had on offense was not him throwing the ball. It was somebody else throwing the ball, right? And then their best, you know, and then Christian McCaffrey had a big game. He had 80 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving. Um, and this, but this is always happens with him, right? Like the other, the other guys on offense, like do a bunch of stuff. He does a few good things, and then he does a few bad things that end up not costing them because the you know, other team doesn't capitalize on it, right? Um, and this is how they've got through the whole season. And then, and then, and then the other team, in, you know, will do some dumb things like Detroit did and Green Bay did, right? Um, right? Those are. I mean, they should have lost to Green Bay. They should have lost to Detroit, right? But I mean, they were bailed out basically by the, you know, by the opposition and by his own mistakes not costing them. But yet, through all of this, you know, you had talking heads. Hyping him up, calling, saying he should be an MVP candidate. You know, over Lamar Jackson, over Patrick Mahomes, right? Over Josh Allen. You know, Brock Purdy, the MVP, right? And then, then, you know, then there was the, you know, the uh, Cam Newton, former NFL quarterback, has his own kind of show podcast thing going on. And he put Brock Purdy in a group of quarterbacks he called game managers, right? And game manager, now he didn't mean it as a pejorative, but in football speak, for most people game manager is a pejorative, it basically means that you're not very good, and that they have to basically scale down the game plan so that 
you know, they're not asking you to do a lot of things. Because, and they do that because they're afraid that if they, if they ask you to do a lot of things, you're going to mess a lot of it up. So, in f- football speak, when in most cases, when you call somebody a game manager, you are best giving them a backhanded compliment. And at worst, you're calling them basically a not very good. So Cam Newton called him a game manager, and now he explained what his definition of game manager was. But of course, too late for that. Um, you know, in football media land, you know, game manager has already been defined, and so. You know, it was taken as <clears throat> if Cam was crapping on him, and which all these media guys who have been, you know, going crazy saying that the Brock Purdy MVP should be MVP candidate, they all they went in their closets and they found the biggest cape you could possibly find, and they put them on for Brock Purdy. And so now, and then he became a sympathetic figure and all of this and, you know, and then you need the little engine that could and you need the underdog and all this. And I, and, and I have come to despise underdogs, you know, uh, in, the, in the last 10 years. Okay. And everybody loves the underdog. No, I don't. Because now, because see, people talk about, because underdogs, they don't make underdogs like they used to. Okay. Right. I mean, for me, you know, my my indoctrination, not more. I don't know. My my education on underdogs was Rocky. Okay. Rocky was a he, you know Rocky Balboa, you know, in the movie Rocky, right? And he was a club fighter. You know, he had kind of a fifty-fifty record. He might have a winning record, but it just wasn't. He lost. He'd also lost a bunch of fights too. And. <clears throat> He just he wanted a chance to prove he could be a good fighter, and then of course he got picked by Apollo Creed for the exhibition fight. And Apollo Creed picked him because they said, "Well, yeah, you know, I can beat this guy in three rounds. No big deal." So of course everybody's overlooking Rocky, and which makes him the underdog. But you know, and Rocky recognized that you know I'm fighting the heavyweight champion of the world. This guy's a whole lot better than me, but. I just want to go to distance. I want to prove that I can hang with the heavyweight champion of the world. Right? He wanted to prove himself. But Rocky, in the movies, Rocky respected Apollo. Rocky always, you know, even defended him against some people who were talking shit about him. Right? He recognized that Apollo is was champ because he was a great fighter. And because he beat people and he did the work, he become champ. And Rocky was always respectful. Rocky was always deferential. And Rocky was not resentful against, you know, the system or whatever for having denied him opportunities all those years. He recognized that, hey, I'm a club fighter. I'm barely over 500. And no, they're not going to let me fight for the championship unless the champ decides for some reason he wants to fight me. <clears throat> And then once that opportunity came, he said, look, I just want to, I want to go the distance. I want to show him and everybody that I'm not just some bum, right? But he wasn't resentful towards Apollo or, you know, or whatever. 
now when, when you know when people do the whole underdog thing happens now you know there's always this kind of air that that the person was done wrong right that they were somehow you know they were mistreated because they because they weren't put in a high position to start with they were somehow mistreated done wrong whatever all right um yeah and then and then there's often a just an air of resentment thrown towards you know the champion or the favorite or the the more, the more you know talented people right it's almost like like how dare you be talented how dare you you know re, you know re- realize your talent and achieve things how dare you play better than other people right um like you know you don't deserve that because you you know you you walked in the door and you did great and you didn't have to you know go through a bunch of obstacles or whatever whatever right and you know and so this whole thing with Purdy is the same old stuff it's like oh, Patrick Mahomes ugh. we don't want him to win another one and my thing is why not Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football and quite possibly the best of all time like he does magic out there on the field just like he did in a Super Bowl right and to me like why would you root against that right I mean he's not an asshole either right I mean like he's not Brett Favre one of these guys who's a jerk right I mean so why why would you root against that I, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't understand the need to see, you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the world get, get taken down and get, you know, knocked down to size or whatever, you know. And I don't need, I don't see the need to root, to, you know, go all in and for some guy, you know, just because, well, he's not as talented. Because he's not as talented, he wasn't picked as high. And he doesn't play as well either. Which is why he, you know, nobody had him picked as a starter coming out of college, and you know, blah 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 blah. And look, he has overachieved, right? And good for him for doing that. But what often happens is not only like people get so invested in the guy that they just. Again, if you watch a whole game, you will see why he was picked late. You will see why, you know, because he, he does, you know, there are, you know, plays he just comes up short on. And you can watch, you can see, okay, well, that's why he was picked last. Okay. And, you know, people, and, but, and then these folks, they overlooked that stuff because, oh, well, he was Mr. Irrelevant. Okay, but he, right now he's playing in the Super Bowl. So he, you know, he should get judged like other quarterbacks who played in the Super Bowl. If you're saying he's an MVP candidate, he should get judged like by other, but you know, he should get be judged like, like other quarterbacks have won MVP. If you're saying he's that good, then then that's the level of scrutiny he should get. But these folks are trying to have it both ways, right? They they wanted, you know, they want the story of Pat, I'm sorry, Purdy the underdog, da, da, da. but then they also. And then they wanted to call him great and call him elite because he was playing well. 
But then, okay, if you're going to call him elite, then he gets elite level scrutiny. Right? And so, just to me, I just, I can't stand that kind of stuff. So I wanted him to lose. Okay? I really did. And I am glad that he did. And I got nothing personal against Purdy. But it, this bullshit needs to stop. Okay? It really does. And so for now, it has. And I am thankful. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes. Thank you, Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> now there's another Super Bowl thing I'm gonna get to here, and you know, that's what I know. That's what this is what y'all really y'all didn't want to hear about no Brock Purdy. Y'all want to hear about Taylor Swift, don't you? Of course not, but you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get to that now. All right, so here's something from the world of diversity and inclusion. <laughs> okay, so this is a report from Seth Wickersham of ESPN. Some ES saying, saying that some NFL owners have complained to the league about the number of compensatory draft picks the San Francisco 49ers have received for developing coaches and executives of color. Okay, now, if you're at, now what the hell does that mean? All right, so there's a rule in the NFL that got implemented in 2020. It was voted on by all the owners, and the owners passed it unanimously. That said, if a team hires people of color for assistance, to be, you know, be an assistant coach, and that person goes on to get a promote get a job from another team as a head coach or a general manager the team that gave them the assistant job will get a draft pick or will get some draft picks okay now the 49ers have used this program and have sent like they 49ers have like three or four guys who they hired as assistants who've gone on to become head coaches elsewhere so they've been, you know, they've been raking in the draft picks. And now some of the other owners are upset that, well, the Fort, they're getting too many picks. <sighs> so you made this rule. One team in particular follows it and, and, and does it so well that they're benefiting to the tune of, you know, a bunch of draft picks. And now some of the other owners are mad. Um, well, here's the thing. Number one, you could have just hired those guys. And, you know, and put them in a position to succeed and and all of that. You could have done that. Nothing was stopping you from hiring those people. It could have been you. And you could have been getting the draft picks. But you didn't want to, for whatever reason. And I bet a lot of you didn't even interview those guys. You did nothing. You did nothing, and you, you hired the same old good old boys. And the 49ers went out, and they hired those guys, and they put them in position to succeed, and they got them good players to coach, and the coach, those coaches succeeded as assistants. They did so well that other teams wanted to hire them to be head coaches, and they have because of that the 49ers have been properly compensated
so these other I mean, the way these other owners look, it's kind of like, well, you know, we we made this rule, but nobody was supposed to use it, which is sums up the diversity and inclusion initiatives <laughs> in a whole lot of places. They create programs and they create rules and incentives and, and they create these things and then but they don't expect anybody to actually use them and then when somebody does use them and succeeds you know using them the other folks get mad because you weren't supposed to actually do it we were supposed to just make the program and make the rule and have it there so that we could say we did something but nobody was supposed to actually use that. Because we don't really want to give those people jobs. No, we don't. We just want to say that we want to. We don't really want to do it. <laughs> I'm laughing because look, this is the story of essentially again, all these diversity efforts and a lot of just affirmative action, all these things. This is the story of the little programs. They are created and they are created with the idea that no one will actually use them. And they'll just be on the books. And that's just, that's just what it is. They just, and that's all it is. It's just about having it on the books. Because you see, when do these programs get, these programs get challenged in court? You know, when they succeed. Right? And when you actually see people of color making progress and making moves and what have you, then that's when these programs get challenged in court. As I've said before, you know, courts are not impartial. You know, the court case comes down to, when it goes before a judge, it, it comes down to whatever leanings the judge has. If the judge is more of a right wing type of person, then when an affirmative action or a diversity program gets challenged in court, they will probably strike it down. If they're more liberal, you know, then they'll probably uphold it. So these programs are not created because, you know, they actually want us to succeed. They're created as, you know, basically PR gestures but then if God forbid somebody actually takes advantage of the program then it says oh wait 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 now you weren't supposed to do that I mean all you have to do is hire some of these people that's all you have to do but they don't want to do that and see because this is this is the thing okay the the whether we're talking hardcore, hang 'em high racists, or just 
people who are extremely closed-minded and don't want to hire us for things. And unfortunately, a lot of times the result is the same regardless of where people fall on that spectrum. But they would rather fail than share. They'd rather fail than to, than to give people that they'd rather not deal with opportunities. They would rather have a losing team. The 49ers have been a playoff team for the past several years. This is the second time they've gone to the Super Bowl in the past five years. Okay? And these men of color who they've hired as assistants who have gone on to become head coaches, um, you know, Mike McDaniel has, has been a success in Miami. D'Amico Ryan has been a success in Houston so far. Those are two of the guys. I forget who the other ones are. But, I mean, so they're using this program. The coaches are succeeding and getting hired elsewhere. And while this has been going on, the team has been winning and going to Super Bowl. And yet, these other owners, they would rather continue to own a losing team than do this now the owners weren't named of course not but they they would rather again they'd rather lose or spin their wheels in the middle of the pack of the league they would rather do that than win with people that they don't want to deal with that's all that this is okay and this goes on in in football in particular in the NFL, very specifically. Although, I mean, there are issues in other sports and other places, of course. But baseball in particular. But, um, and at, at college sports, all college sports, basically. Um, the NBA is a little better. I couldn't tell you about the NHL, to be honest. But, you know, very specifically in the NFL, there is a long track record of these folks would rather fail. They would rather have a losing team. Okay. They're owners that would rather have a losing team than hire some of these guys. And there are coaches that would rather have losing seasons and get fired than, you know, do <laughs> play a black quarterback, right? If he'd... And this is the thing about, you know, Racism, prejudice, closed-mindedness, all this stuff is that, again, people would rather fail. Crazy as it sounds, they'd rather fail. Now, if you're asking why we need these programs, well, because, again, these folks, they won't even interview us unless they're forced to a lot of times. Okay, and it, I know it sounds crazy, but a lot of them they, they, they won't. And so, and the NFL as a business is so successful that there, you know, that there's no immediate business incentive for these guys to do it, try something new. I mean, we're we're essentially asking them to do something different, out of purely moral, you know, 
obligations, I guess you could say. Um, and because they don't, they, because they don't, it doesn't affect their bottom line, you know, they'd rather stick with what they know or the who they know. So the only way to get them to change on this, you have to incentivize them. And then that doesn't work, you got to force them through legal action, basically, <laughs> um, of some kind. So they're doing the first thing there, they are trying you know, they decided to do it. Roger Goodell and whoever else decided, well, let's do some incentivizing first. And so they've done that. The 49ers have taken the incentive. They've responded to being incentivized to be more inclusive, and they're doing that. And it's working. They're in the Super Bowl for the second time in five years. Or maybe the second time in three years, even. I forget. But yet there's this, there's this idea that if you have these programs and if people take use them, they're, they're going to hire a bunch of unqualified people, and blah blah blah. Meanwhile, that you know, qualified people are getting overlooked. But it's it's a joke. Again, nothing stopping you from hiring these people. You could hire them and they could succeed, and you would get draft picks. But these owners would rather they'd rather not do that. They'd rather not hire the people. They'd rather not get the draft picks. All while still feeling a team that is losing or mediocre. And they, you know. And look, that's the story of prejudice, racism, closed-mindedness, or whatever. Right? The people in charge would rather fail than share. Okay? The history of the world is littered with all types of ventures, failed ventures... It could have been successful if the people in charge just thought to give some other folks an opportunity <laughs> or to serve some other customers. But they choose not to, and they'd rather fail. Okay. Think about that. They would rather fail. And so if, you know, if... Things follow the precedent of history here. This rule will probably be struck down sometime in the future. Because one team decided to actually go by it and they succeeded. And instead of other people, other teams saying, yeah, maybe we should try that too. They're going to complain. Because that's what always happens. Right? Instead of just hiring us, instead of just admitting us to your school, instead of just, you know, Staying in the neighborhood when we move there, you would rather just not share. Even if it ends up costing you. Just something to think about. So here's something. Uh, there's an article that I do not have a subscription for. There's the Economist is saying that the called the 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 end of the social network. Yes, the end of the social network. Um, basically, saying that people are sharing content, sharing things on social network platforms a lot less. And I think the percentages have gone down from like forty percent to twenty six percent or something like that. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the percentage of 
Americans who say they enjoy, you know, documenting the stuff or posting stuff about themselves on social media has gone down from 40% to 26%. And the percentage of people who share stuff has gone down from like 23% to 19%. And, um, well, on the one hand, this kind of stuff is inevitable. These things, like every other thing that became trendy and all the rage, these things eventually start to fall off. But like a lot of things, the, the what would have been a natural drop off in interest is exacerbated by things that were done to the platforms. Because, look, I mean, here's the problem. problem is that with a lot of these things, okay, Facebook is free. Twitter is free. You know, Instagram is free. These things are all free to sign up for. And so people thought they were signing or they were creating this account, this free account that allowed them to talk to people. Right, and uh, you know, particularly, and the, you know, the usefulness, the big usefulness of Facebook was connecting with people that you didn't normally talk to in person, or that you, had, you know, or that you hadn't talked to for a long time, or whatever. Right, um, old high school classmates that you lost touch with, you know, family members who maybe live across the country, right? Coworkers who, who maybe you know, who you like talking to at work, and. You know, but you don't see outside of work, and you know, right? Uh, you know, members of other clubs or organizations that you might know, or church members or whatever, um, right? And so, like the allure of these, particularly Facebook, was connecting with these people and talking to people again that you weren't already talking to regularly, and. A couple of things happened. One, um, politics happened, or particular issues happened, right? And you know, I mean, look, when you know, it's really cool when, when you're, you know, my age, and you find out that some of your old high school buddies, you know, are now, you know, <laughs> of the belief that maybe the blacks should stop killing each other, right? Or you know. Maybe we should, you know, not complain about the police, right? I mean, or you know, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. You know, when, like when they're, you know, when 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 you start finding those things out, or you know, or, or Trayvon Martin, you know, he, he was wrong to do what he did, right? Um, you either you got two options: you either argue with those people about it, or you or you stop talking to them, right? And um, that was a big part of it. Right, I mean, when things like, you know, again, when Trayvon Martin got killed, Black Lives Matter protests, um, Trump getting elected, right? These are things that, you know, divided people or caused people to, you know, reveal things about themselves weren't so flattering 
and um, and then you have you know the misinformation. Right now you have people basically kind of losing friends and relatives to YouTube videos and conspiracy theories and all of these things that just got promoted and with no pushback or little pushback and at one time there were there were stronger kind of notifications about you know falsehoods or misinformation in some of these ads and some of these posts or these news stories but then those protections eventually got watered down or pulled entirely And then there's the ads, right? You know, ads, you get ads for everything now. And then also, you know, the you're getting swamped with suggested things that you didn't want to see. Like maybe now, if you go on Facebook and Instagram, you know, there's a bunch of these suggested posts. If you go on. Twitter, like there's a, you know, there's your normal Twitter feed, and then there's the For You tab, which is full of suggested posts. Now, it's a little better on, on threads. Um, the For You tab isn't as awful on threads, but those things are have made these kind of social networks just annoying and more of a nuisance to deal with. You know, and then you, and then, you know, then there are privacy issues. There's, you know, that they can use your pictures and for different things. And, um, it's made it a kind of a not fun place to be in a lot of instances. Now I still get on Facebook a good bit and I still, you know, chat with people. I'm in a couple of groups. I'm still on Twitter. But, you know, I kind of, I'm much more picky and choosy about my interactions. Um, you know, I, I went over to threads. I have an account. I'm on Instagram. Um, I have two Instagram accounts. I have one that I use for just for my kind of fan stuff. And then I have a personal one. Personal one is blocked. And you got to request because that's why I might put pictures up of my kids or whatever um, but yeah it's just um, there are a bunch of reasons that these places are no longer as enjoyable to hang out and you know like Twitter in particular you know is it's an aggravation generator and it runs like the whole you know it's programmed to aggravate you because aggravating you is what keeps you locked in on it the most and when you when you see that you realize that yeah like these places are less and less fun to be right and and so people just kind of gradually start moving away from them now this article said that like you know groups discord chats and you know what have you are becoming like the place to go and I'm in a couple of Discord groups. And yeah, and it's, you know, 
it's where you can still have conversations with people. And also, you know, you can tailor the Discord chat. If you you run a Discord chat, you can can pick who's in there. You can keep it to five people or ten people or whatever. And not let anybody else in. And that's because what's that's the, one of the things that's become most annoying about social media apps is getting a bunch of random shit shoved in your face that you didn't ask for. All right, so Usher performed the Super Bowl. It was great. Um, and look, that guy did. There were a bunch of songs he could have done that he left in the chamber, so to speak. Um, which tells you, for one, that should put an, that should put an end to any of the, the, these idiots who are out there saying that Usher should have a verses with Chris Brown, for God's sake. Okay. Stop it. It's just terrible. Okay, Chris Brown, you know what? No, okay, just no, okay, and, and never mind, you know the 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 the, the, the like for lack of a better word, off the field shit that Chris Brown has gotten himself into. Just musically, he, Chris Brown ain't in Usher's league. No, just no. Uh, but it was a great performance. Like I said, he he left a bunch of songs in the chamber that he could have used. That's that's the hallmark of someone having a great career. Uh, but also, um, he has some new music that he released, which is exactly what you're supposed to do when you perform at the Super Bowl. If you've got anything you've been working on, you time the release with your Super Bowl performance, because that's when you have maximum visibility again. So, good on him. But, some people on the internet, trying to stir things up, because Beyonce also had some new music that she you know, dropped an announcement for on Super Bowl Sunday. She had a commercial. Uh, well, she had a commercial for, like, Verizon, I think, you know. And she looked great. Beyonce is just see. You know, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, but she had a commercial Super Bowl for, and it was for Verizon. And then at the end, because she, she was trying to break the internet, right, by doing all these different things. And so then at the end, she was like, I just dropped the new music. Right? And so she's got some new music, and there was, uh, you know, there was like an ad on social media or whatever for it shortly afterwards. And there were some people on the internet who said, oh, she's stepping on Usher. No. Okay, folks. Um, see, I'm old enough to remember the days when albums got released on the same day. I remember in 1993, which is 30 years ago. Wow, how time flies. Uh, on November 9th, 2013, Midnight Marauders and Ender the 36 Chambers got released on the same day. Midnight Marauders by the Tribe Call Quest and 36 Chambers by Wu Tang. Wu Tang! Right? And, uh, um, and they got released on the same day. 
And then two weeks later, two weeks later, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg got released. This all happened in November 1993. They all got released at the same time. And guess what? We bought all three of them. You know, me and, you know, my buddies. Now, we didn't each buy all three of them back then. You know, one person, whoever jumped out and bought it first would, you know, make a copy for the rest of us, which which is something you children don't understand nowadays. You get a, what is called a dual tape deck or, you know, some or CDs were starting to become a thing then. Or you'd get a CD and one of your buddies would give you a tape, a blank tape, and you would make them a copy. You know why? Because we, we didn't we didn't have money for all of us to all be buying the thing, right? And or we we didn't have yeah, like if there were three albums came out at the same time, we didn't you know, we we were like we weren't broke, broke, but we had you know, we did not have a lot of money, any of us. So it made very little sense for all of us to buy all three especially since we were hanging around each other all the time we were riding in the same car all the time and you know whatnot right um so if one person jumped out there and bought it they you know everybody else give them a tape and they'd make a copy for you right um that's what it was but so but we got all three and we listened to all three and we had plenty of time to listen to all three and learn all the songs and get you know and all of that good stuff right and you know nobody stepped on anybody so if you can't listen to Beyonce and listen to Usher and you know listen to Taylor Swift for that matter when when that's coming out soon right if you if you can't if you you know not listening to all three it's because you don't want to okay and I guarantee you some of these folks stirring up trouble on the internet about this some of y'all are not gonna listen to either one y'all just like to stir things up on the internet because you're a bunch of idiots there I said it yes anyway it was hey, great to see you up here again always great to see Beyonce <laughs> I mean, you know um, but um, yeah and you know I mean look both of them made enough of an impression on me where I might actually try some listening to this new music because like for somebody who was almost totally checked out on you know current music be it from newer artists or even new music from you know, older artists or artists more in my wheelhouse. Um, yeah, they, they got me interested enough to check it out. So, we'll see. Alright, that's it for this episode. Um, this one's about a week late. I did record most of it, and I just didn't get around to finishing it. Got busy with some other things. Um, but, do you have some news? I am in the process of starting a patreon thing um it's mainly for it's going to be like i do a lot of kind of nerd level research on some things in professional wrestling um when it is active i will tell you guys i'm going to dump a lot of stuff there and hopefully uh those of you who might be interested will check it out um 
and then that's for the it'll be for the low price of one dollar a month because you know I'm, I'm not pretending to you know have the Zep Ruger film in there or anything um but anyway um that's it for that and February's almost over so um February is also the month when my mom and dad were born. And so, of course, I told my mother happy birthday. And uh, dad's up there looking down on us. Happy birthday, chief. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Because otherwise, this episode will be like four weeks late. But <laughs> anyway, all right, that's it for that. Um, so, guys, spring is almost here. But it's not here yet. So <laughs> be careful with those coats. Don't Don't go out there without a coat on. Don't do like I did this past weekend. Mistake, mistake, mistake. Anyway, but uh, yeah, guys, look, until next time, as always, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and God bless you guys. And we're out of here. All right, now on to the election stuff here, because, um, you know, as we as the year goes on, Twitter is getting more and more manic and crazy about the election. And now we're at the kind of the stage where... um. The media is trying very hard to make it as closely an election as possible. Um, and what I mean by that is basically, look, look, Biden is the incumbent. By every measure that we use to measure the performance of presidents, he's doing a great job. Okay. Now, before you say, what are you? Again, by the measures that we use to evaluate presidents okay now yes you can there def- that that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the reality on the ground where you live reflects that okay but there are certain measures and banks marks that we have which we've always used to evaluate presidents and he scores really high in those. Okay. Um, and look, any indictment you make of him as a president, I think, is is more indictment of the system, of our system of government, of the way things have eroded over time, um, the way our media covers the presidency and other parts of government. Um, I think any indictment you can make of him would fall under that category. So all that being said, and he is an incumbent, so all that being said, barring anything, you know, any kind of thumbs being put on the scale, or barring anything catastrophic happening, you know, on U.S. soil between now and November, he should ultimately, no matter what the polls say today, he should win, and the final margin, you know, should be pretty safe, based on you know history. So, the media and and he hasn't given the media any easy angle to, you know, shoot at him with, right? There hasn't been any like catastrophic, visible policy failure, right? I mean, you don't have you know, soup lines around the corner on the TV, on the evening news 
Um, you don't have, you know, murder rates going through the roof. You don't have, you know, we're not in some, we're engaged in a bunch of different military actions, yes, but you don't have, a, you don't have an Iraq or a Vietnam where there are men and women coming home, where there are U.S. soldiers, men and women coming home in body bags, right? You don't have that. Or when, you know, you don't have U.S. soldiers bogged down in some war zone. Um, so that's, you don't have that going on. We haven't had, you know, anything like Katrina or we haven't had anything like the COVID pandemic, right? Um, like none of those obvious things have happened during his presidency. And then also you factor in that on the other side, you have Trump, who was a deranged lunatic, who sounds like it every time he gets on stage and has 91 indictments. So if you're the media, how do you make it interesting? Well, they've been taking digs at his age, right? Um, the other thing is that now, you know, recently there have been some people kind of coming up with this idea that, well, he should step down. Because he's old, and look, he he forgets. He's forgotten a couple of things when he's answered some questions. You know, he's mixed up a couple of names. He just stepped down. He's too old, and and it's you know, it's obvious he's too old, right? Even though, and this is the best one because Ezra Klein, who who used to be a really smart guy, but now he's an idiot. You know, wrote this piece saying that I talked to everybody you know I talked to a bunch of people who work with President Biden behind the scenes and you know on and off the record from what and from everything I've gathered it looks like he is up you know he's up to speed with everything he you know still you know functions fine doing the job and and there's no problem with him being able to do the job but uh, and then Ezra goes on to say but I think you should still step down because it looks like he you know he he the job he, he looks old on the job right optics or whatever and we, and look that's dumb but you know, but then when you ask the question, okay, well, if he does step down, now what? You know, Ezra's answer was, well, they just picked somebody at the convention. And that's where it all falls apart. All right. Because you can't. Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC, did, MSNBC did a brilliant takedown of everything Ezra Klein was saying. Um, basically, well, one, primaries have already started. Biden is winning all those primaries like 80-90% so you would have to some of which means he's accumulating delegates for the convention which means if he were to drop out then he would also have to release his delegates to go vote for somebody else and who would they vote for and that's where it gets messy because Kamala Harris is the vice president. Kamala Harris is next in line. 
Kamala Harris should be, if, if for some reason Biden does have to leave office, she is the one who would take office. So if he chooses to not run again, she should be the one to take his position on the ticket. And yet Ezra Klein and all these people doing this Biden dropout suggestion, they skip right over her. They want Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, or Richard Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. Right? Skip right over Kamala Harris, who's the vice president. That's very problematic. <clears throat> okay, because the most loyal voting bloc of the Democratic Party is black women. And skipping over the black woman vice president pick either a white guy or a white woman is bad news it would be just a major strategic political blunder to do that and then turn around and say oh we need your support now yeah not good very dumb but uh, Lawrence O'Donnell made the point that the other matter is money. It, you know, it costs money to run for president, obviously. And right now, Gavin Newsom has no money for a presidential campaign. He's raised no, no money for a presidential campaign. Neither is Gretchen Whitmer. Um, neither one of, one of them has raised any money for any presidential campaign because they're not running for president. Which means it's February. It means that they would have to open a, a presidential campaign start raising money and it's too late to get their names on any ballots to win any primaries and also you would not they would not raise enough money between now and the fall to run a winning campaign whereas Biden and Harris have a shit ton of money already Biden were to drop out, then Kamala Harris would be the one with the claim to his, his campaign money. <clears throat> Not either of them. And she could very easily say, fuck you, I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> okay, to both of them. And which she would be well in her right to do, which she absolutely should do. If the, if the question would be posed to her. And not to mention, look, um, Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer are well known. To, if you are a political junkie, you know who they are. The average American does not know who either of them are. They don't. And so now you're talking about getting them up to a name recognition level against Trump, who everybody knows. And name recognition does matter. Name recognition is the reason that. Trump won the nomination back in 2016. It's a reason he he got close enough to win the presidency in 2016, which he did. It's a re, and it's a big reason why he's still, you know, why why he's winning the Republican nomination now. You, you're not going to either one. You're not going to get either one of them up to the level of name recognition to match Donald Trump between now and November. They're not going to be able to raise enough money between now and November. 
to run the type of campaign you would need to get them the name recognition. Sorry, that's just not where it is. And, um... So, what does it boil down to? It boils down to Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. If for some reason he cannot, it'll be Kamala Harris. And on the other side, you got Trump. So, there it is. Those are your choices. That's what I, those, those are who your choices are going to be. So, suck it up, get over it. Pick the right one. All there is to it. I mean, it's really not that hard. And if you're, and if you're like, oh man, I don't like going for Biden. Again, by every measure that we use the great presidents, he's done well. Alright? If you think he's done terrible, then I got a question where you're going for your news. Alright? That's all there is to it. Anyhow, I keep going on forever. I'm going to stop <laughs> before I go 20 minutes on this one topic. Let's move on.